Thank you for tuning in to the Shape Colorado podcast. This week we go on to our second roundtable, which focuses on quality remote health and physical education and what it looks like, the difference between physical education and physical activity, and how to hold students accountable for their participation and learning. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for, for doing those quick introductions. Um, it looks like we have folks from all across the state of Colorado, and, um, and thank you for taking the time for being here. And it looks like we've got you know, elementary and middle and high pretty much um, running the gamut from, from all across and higher ed also. So students on there from higher ed, um, graduate students, et cetera. So thank you for being here today. As we dive into our first kind of roundtable discussion, we, we want to take some time to talk about quality remote health and physical education and, and best practices. And I'm going to just open this up to, you know, as we move into this next school year, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty as to what it looks like and schools are quickly coming out with plans. Um, and, and we know that um, we will the year will change in terms of what learning looks like. And, and I know many districts are starting back with face-to-face, -face, um, but there's a chance that we may be going back to remote. There's a chance that we may continue face-to-face -face if, if things move in the right direction. But I want to throw out there, um, how do health and physical education best practice translate into remote learning? So we'll start with that remote learning. And, um, and so that's the first question. So if we think about um, best practices and um, with remote learning for physical education, how do you see that happening? And I'll open that up to any other um, to thoughts or ideas um, at this point. So please go ahead and you can unmute yourself or you can put some questions in or responses in the chat. Can you restate the question, Jamie? Sorry. Sure. So how do you, if we talk about, we'll just talk about remote learning to start with. So how do you see physical education best practices being translated into a remote learning setting? And I know Shannon has worked on, we'll be creating a document, Shannon Milliken, who's also at CDU is on a call. She's uh, last week was working on a document that we will get released. And if she would like to kind of share what that looks like, um, that would be great too. Yeah, so Brian Hull put in the chat, um, Brian Hull National Physical Education High School Teacher of the Year um, is on the call. Congratulations, Brian. Um, and he put in the chat assessment, practice opportunities, and routines. I'm not sure if Brian wants to jump in and tell us more about that, but definitely I think um, all three of those things are definite possibilities um, in remote learning. Yeah. Brian, can you share what some of those might look like for you? 
Yeah, um, first of all, thanks for having me on. This is Brian Holt from Denver. Um, so first of all, I mean, I know this is new to all of us, but I do think there needs to be some type of assessment still going on, and I'm still in the process of trying to figure it out uh, for myself and my students, but obviously, um, remotely, we're not going to be able to see our students practicing their skills per se like we do in person. So I'm planning on having a weekly routine to where each lesson plan that I post will have some type of written work or some type of health project for the students to complete. And then the second portion of the lesson will be some links to some unique physical activity for them to choose from and then the assessment piece i'm thinking about is some type of self-reflection or some type of objective reflection where the students are taking the data they came up from from activity and kind of reflecting on how they felt before or during or after and then in terms of activity wise maybe they can reflect on what they can do better the next day for the physical activity portion or whatnot but i'm still thinking it's got to be standards based and i'm thinking national standards three four and five are going to be what's most important for me and my students great thanks I think for me, this, I'm, my name is Bree Snyder. I teach at Millican Middle School. Um, I primarily teach sixth grade. And so I have incoming um, fifth graders from, from fifth grade coming into sixth grade, being brand new to, to middle school. Um, so I think for me, the biggest thing that I want to try and do is still build those relationships. Um, as of right now, my school district is going back to in-person learning with the parents having an option of going online. I'm um, still not sure what that looks like if I'm going to be teaching the online kids or if they're going to have a separate teacher teaching online. So we're still kind of working that out. Um, but from the get go, I think building those relationships online is going to be tough, but I think it's going to be important because that's what we've kind of missed out on is the relationship piece with the whole pandemic and and quarantining and all that stuff. So um, being able to build it not only with myself and my kids, but also with the the students themselves by doing some sort of like weekly just fun question about physical activity and kids can kind of comment on that, um, giving suggestions on what they've, what's worked for them in their household and maybe kind of building off of that with, with each other is gonna be really big for me from the start. Yeah, and I think one of the differences this year is that, you know, as, as we, last semester the transition was, was pretty, pretty abrupt in a lot of ways, but we certainly knew students going into that because we've had them for the entire year, whereas this year you may potentially have brand new students. So I think there's that, that added challenge of building relationships with students who you may not know, particularly if they're trans, transitioning from a lower grade into, into uh, another school. Um, so I think that that is certainly a challenge, but I will say that, you know, I think that as, as the, the physical education teacher, the, the opportunities there, well, let me back up. It's really, really, it's going to be very, very important for schools to be doing this broadly, but I also think it's going to be important for physical education to certainly be building those relationships because in physical education, we have different relationships and say classroom teachers would have with students just in terms of um, the content and the interest areas. So 
I think it's going to be really important there also. Yeah, one question, Jamie, that came up from the signups um, as people were registering was particularly with remote learning and accountability. And I know we're going to talk about accountability a little bit later, but specifically tied to remote learning, I think that that's a huge question. And I think for a lot of us, when we made that pivot to online learning in March, um, there was, you know, potentially this idea of maybe not holding students as accountable just because of what was happening in the world at the time. But we can't really continue to have that same, you know, level of lack of accountability, I guess, in some ways. But then the equity piece comes up as well, right, of how do we hold students accountable when they might be taking care of little brother or sister or doing other things, depending on what's, again, happening in the world. And so I'm not sure if folks have um, thoughts around accountability and making sure that we are having rigorous experiences for our students um, while still in the remote environment. Um, if anyone wants to jump in on, on that. I'll start. Um, I'm Angie Cooper. I am also from Millican Middle School. I teach with Marie. Um, when we went to remote learning, we our first few weeks we had like Brian talked about having routines and we had, I can't remember, but it was like mental health Monday. We had workout Tuesday, skill work Wednesday. So we had like different things every day. And with skill work, we gave them videos and sh then they had a game that went along with their skills. But when we didn't have that accountability piece, kids weren't doing anything. So we had to mix up what we're, what we were doing. Um, and I think probably the best unit that we did or the best thing that we did was we did a create a game unit where they had to create their own game and video it and show it. And that was probably where we got, I would think, and at least for me, I don't know about Brie, but where I got the most participation. But again, I just, I don't know. Um, I just don't know that the assessment piece is going to look so different remotely or even in person, it's going to look different with the stipulations that we have in place. Great, thank you. Um, hey, Deanna, do you wanna share some of your thoughts? Um, you had an idea around assessment for secondary level, a, a gameplay assessment instrument. You wanna share your thinking around that that you have in the chat? Yeah, sure, are you guys able to hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so gameplay assessment oh. instrument was something that I was introduced to uh, back during my undergrad time at um, UNC, go Bears. Um, and it was, you know, kind of, especially if you're around that team sports type of mindset, you could still do the team sports even though you're remote, right? So we took it as, um, and I've presented on it a couple times this summer, but taking it and like watching a video clip of a game um, and then they're picking out that skill execution. Was that appropriate? Um, did they use correct form? And then also that those national health skills thrown in there as well, the decision-making, right? Was that an appropriate decision? Did they pass to an open teammate? Did they move without the ball? So you're implementing health skills into your physical education. And then they had that reflection piece afterwards, right? Adding on to that, like, okay, so what could they have done better 
to make an appropriate decision. So now you've got adding in that cognitive um, domain as well. Hey everyone, this is uh, Shannon Milliken. Um, Jamie, did you want me to touch on the uh, document that's gonna be coming out soon? Yeah, I think that'd be great, thank you. Yeah, so um, CDE, the Standards and Instructional Support Unit will be coming out with um, some high impact strategies and some um, considerations for uh, diverse learning environments. So really looking at, you know, the in-person learning with physical distancing, um, distance learning, and then, you know, a, a hybrid or a combination of the, of the three, or of the two, I'm sorry. And so this document has several different components to it. So one, uh, two of them is something that you're probably familiar with, which is going to be um, the best teaching practice. So what is that appropriate practice in physical education? What is the inappropriate practice? So what do we not want to see? and then the appropriate practice of what, what do we want to see, right? Um, and then you're gonna see some examples as to what that potentially looks like um, in, in person. And then the additions that we've created are some considerations for those diverse learning situations. So in the grid, you'll actually see um, a lot of them are, they're either examples or they're questions for you to change your, uh, train of thought to not to, to potentially thinking, okay, how can I think outside of the box? How can I have a more equitable lens when I'm trying to meet best practices around physical education? And so those are all coded with either uh, physical distancing, um, distance learning, or a hybrid situation. Um, and then the last thing that's going to be in this document are going to be your instructional strategies. So um, that's really looking at um, I know kind of for us, we, we kind of refer to instructional strategies as kind of the different um, uh, instructional models, right? So we have like direct instruction, we have inquiry-based ba inquiry teaching, we have peer teaching or cooperative learning. Um, there's the sport ed model and um, Deanne touched a little bit on, you know, teaching games for understanding. So um, there's a lot of different instructional strategies that we would see in a physical education environment and then um, you know kind of recommended um, what instructional strategies would be most appropriate um, for those appropriate practices and best strategy and, and best practices um, I would encourage us to I saw that Deanne had mentioned um, in the chat to think about health skills I think this is a really great opportunity for us as PE teachers to, um, you know, we say that we contribute to the whole child and we're absolutely right. I think that this is a great opportunity for us as PE teachers to be able to take a look at education in a more comprehensive look. So yes, we're going to be teaching skills. Yes, we're teaching strategies and tactics, but how are we incorporating um, health skills? How are we incorporating social emotional learning? How are we incorporating um, some of these like bigger educational pieces like equity, right? And inclusion. And we have a very, I think, good understanding of what those components look like in our environment, but we are going to be challenged um, being in a remote setting to not be in our comfort zone and we're not gonna be in our environment. So what does that look like, right? 
And I think this is a really great opportunity for us to challenge ourselves as educators to think more in an equitable lens of how do we reach all of our students through instruction um, and also just through that emotional and social support. Shannon, someone asked when the document would be available. Uh, Jamie? Um, so this document will be out for all content areas. So it, at this point it's being finalized. So all content areas have, have put their, their sections together. And they look they look similar in terms of um, the, the formatting, but they all of the obviously science and health and, and physical education look a little bit different in terms of what the strategies are. Um, so they've all been submitted and we're just finalizing those. Um, they will be um, one full document where you can download all of those strategies for all content areas, but then there will also be um, specific um, you know, content area documents that you can download. I'm guessing within the next um, week or so, we should have those finalized and out. We're kind of in the final formatting and um, um, an approval phase right now. So I'm guessing probably within a week or so. Um, one, one thing that, and I know there isn't as many higher ed folks, but I do know there are some university students on the call right now. Um, one thing we're concerned about from the university standpoint is how to have our students get practicum hours um, and field experiences in the fall. Luckily at UNC, we don't have any one student teaching in the fall, but we do have uh, secondary methods and instructional strategies class. And so any of you who are going back in person and want to put a camera in your classroom or something for us, that would be great. Um, but that is a piece too. And I'm wondering if anyone has heard anything from their schools or districts around having practicum students or student teachers in the school and whether or not that's, um, that's being considered. So this has been, and we're out in Falcon. We actually have some student teachers who, and practical students who are coming in to do some SPED stuff. Um, they've been signed up and approved and everything as it comes for other contents, not sure, but we do have student teachers who are coming in. This is Sarah um, Coleman. I'm with APS and I just got off um, a call that principals were doing with our superintendent talking about what a cohort looks like, who can be in contact with that cohort in our district. Um, and what I, because I work with the nursing students from CU, they come in and do a lot of health skills teaching for us. I believe what's what we are going to go to is a model to prepare to push in virtually with these lessons, which isn't the ideal, but I think it does tap into those 21st century learning skills for everyone. Um, and analyzing where you're getting your information is going to be seriously important um, during this time. So that's that's what I'm hearing. I, we even heard that about um, our ESS providers or special ed providers, that there's going to be very, very limited contact. Um, and just defining what a cohort is right now is super, super conflicting for us. Hi everyone, this is Shannon Milliken again. I just wanted to touch really quickly on what Sarah had said. Um, so I'm gonna push you towards the standards document with the 21st century skills and the essential skills and those inquiry questions as far as 
um, giving meaning towards your content, right? So if we aren't able to um, do as much um, direct instruction or even teaching around like standard one and around the actual movement concepts and competencies, you know, um, start looking at that application piece, right? So how um, how is what we're teaching being applied in real life scenarios, right? And those essential skills, again, those are universal languages for all content areas, but you're able to collaborate or you're able to say, hey, this is common terminology that's being used across all of your content areas. So again, I'm gonna push you towards looking and diving into the standards. I know that's very overwhelming right now and standards are, I don't wanna go through the document, but it's a great resource for you to pick and pull um, questions and content that's already there about um, providing application to what you're currently teaching. Okay, um, great. Um, any other um, thoughts? And and I, I think that um, if, there's a, if there aren't any other ideas, I, I think maybe we should move on to maybe not the next um, section, but um, maybe thinking about what does what does this look like if we are in a face-to-face -face setting, um, considering. Um, the guidelines around social distancing, students wearing masks, cleaning, disinfecting, which we know there will be some level of that. And, and as Sarah mentions, cohorting will probably um, be, be happening. So as we think about those COVID-19 guidelines that are now being rolled out um, for the physical education setting or for the school setting, I should say, um, what do you, what are those what implications do those have around best practices? So if we could just have a conversation um, around that, um, and then we'll we'll go from there. And I posted that question in the chat. I guess I'll jump in here. My name is Justin. I'm at the Pinnacle Charter School in Federal Heights. Um, I know that I've been kind of doing football stuff with the football team I coach all summer, and I've kind of thought that I might do something similar if we're in person. Our school's talking about doing two, two days in person, three days online. I kind of figured I would kind of separate them all out with either poly spots or numbers on the field or whatever, keep them all separated and do a real fitness focus. Um, obviously, we'll be able to stay socially distant that way. Um, it'll take away a lot of the gameplay, but I've thought about things like hacky sack and, you know, doing some different things where they have their own individual stuff like that. But for me, honestly, I, I think I'm, I'm really going to focus in on, especially because we've you know, we've kind of been out of our normal physical education for by the time they get started almost six months. I've really been focusing on thinking about focusing on the fitness part of it and almost just kind of going through workouts with them, especially since I only get them two days a week, it looks like to start out. And then my three days online will be more health focused um, because I just teaching PE last last semester online when we when we did go um, all online was a little bit more challenging. I think we could get more out of if we do health more of an online health stuff. And then if I do get them in person or if we do get them in person, that's when we can focus a little bit more on the PE and the fitness stuff. So that's kind of my thing. Like I said, it's, it's, it's worked well with our athletes this summer, uh, keeping them separated. Obviously I would change it up and not do the, 
you know, I'm not training athletes and, you know, I'm just training people that are, you know, to be healthy and to be physically fit and that kind of stuff. So I would change up the activities, but I really like the idea and keeping them separate and they have all their stuff in their own spot. So there's, there's never any, any commingling. And then to be honest with you, I, I like it better for me as a teacher and staying outside and staying, staying spread out, um, in, in terms of, you know, worrying about my own health as well. Um, so that's that's kind of my focus and then i'm going to stay outside as much as i possibly can unless it's absolutely necessary that we are not able to go outside that's what my focus is going to be fitness wise great thanks anyone else like to share their thoughts I think, um, so Brian Hull had put, you know, things um, like lifetime or individual dual activities, so badminton, pickleball, you know, cycling or biking, if you have um, availability for that equipment, wellness, uh, walking, you know, I think is actually um, an undervalued activity in physical education, um, given its focus and how um, the majority of Americans actually do walking. Um, I do, I really appreciate Justin's input and things. I also fear that we might just turn into a bunch of fitness trainers if we focus only on fitness. And I think that was a huge push in March and April and May um, because it was um, the simplest thing to do. And so I think that those are great ideas. And I agree um, that those are things that can, we can do safely. Um, our neighbors, to the north of us um, in Canada, their document, Return to School Guidelines, I'll post the PDF. It's actually really good. Um, and I'm a little bit biased because I'm Canadian, but um, they their document lists some sample activities um, for different grade levels based off of social distancing guidelines. So things like, you know, follow the leader game for K through three, follow the leader games, movement concepts, um, you know, chalk obstacle courses, dance, um, outdoor survival skills, things like that. And then moving into the secondary kind of levels, things like orienteering, geocaching, survival skills, leadership development, um, outdoor education, juggling, track and field, things like that. So there are a lot of options. And just like we mentioned, I think in the last round table, for a lot of us, what this is going to mean is going to be thinking outside of our, you know, boxes of what we've always done and doing things a little bit differently. Um, and while that can be really uncomfortable, it can also be really exciting. So um, I, I'll post the link to the uh, Canadian um, reentry guidelines as well. And um, so folks can have another resource to look at. Um, I also think that that document does a little bit better job uh, than the um, Shape America document um, at talking a little bit more through equity and trauma-based responses and things. So um, I'll post that for folks to, to look at as well. Um, hey, Deborah, um, do you mind sharing your thoughts about the string backpack idea with equipment? 
Sure. Um, I'm kind of thinking this one is going to help online. Um, fitness is so much easier to do online versus the skills because I didn't know if the kids had the equipment. Um, but this would also help with cleaning equipment too. So I'm working with my principal right now, um, getting each kid their own backpack and then they would be numbered alphabetically. So like one would be our berry, two would be blackberry, etc. And then each of their equipment would be numbered with their number. So if I had, if we had, if we were working with tennis balls per se, um, and they would have to use their foot to roll it to find their number versus picking up and touching somebody else's equipment. Um, the other thing that I was thinking with this is that if we did go online, they could take their backpack home and they would have the equipment um, so I could still be teaching skills. So that's kind of my thought on that. Great, thank you. So I think we've talked a little bit about this, um, and I think that we, what's, what we've talked about around best practices, um, and that many folks have said we really want to be focusing on kind of fitness and physical, act, uh, physical activity. And um, so the next section that I think would be um, probably valuable to, to talk about here is that um, if we really want to focus beyond, um, well, let me back up. We need to have a balance between kind of the physical education side of it and the physical activity side of it. And many of you said that you're, you're going to be focusing on the fitness side. Um, what are some ways that we consider to balance those two out and really get more of the physical education skills built into the remote learning and into the, the online um, or remote learning or face-to-face, -face, so they're both of those. But as we shift into that more balanced approach to, to addressing all of the physical education standards, um, what are some strategies that you might do to move away from just focusing on the physical activity side of it to really building in some of those skills practice pieces um, that we've talked a little bit about? Yeah, Jamie, I think, um, sorry, this is Jamie jumping in. Um, uh, both the Shape America guidelines and the um, PHE Canada guidelines talk about the notion of a flipped, flipped classroom. And I'm sure most of you have heard of this idea of a flipped classroom before where um, the kind of knowledge and concepts are taught or um, in some type of remote fashion. And then the implementation of the skills occurs in person. And I think particularly in going back to Justin's point, um, if he's seeing his students two days a week and then not for three days a week, thinking of something like having them develop a personal fitness plan or a personal wellness plan. And really, like, I feel like we have the time, this sounds so crazy, um, but we have the time in some ways when we don't have them with us all the time, our students with us all the time, to focus on those things like teaching appropriate goal setting and things like that that we might not feel like we have the time for when we are in person with our students all the time because we feel like when they're with us that they should be being active um, and moving 
And so I think that there are some real opportunities for us to think, again, like I said earlier, outside of the box um, and focusing on some of those cognitive and affective um, skills that we don't always put as much um, effort into when we are just seeing students once every six days or whatever it is in your schedules um, in person. And so I do think that there are some opportunities there for us to take um, you know, advantage of some of the time that we can, you know, give students maybe some of that more traditional type homework and things like that um, to amplify what they are doing in the classroom. I guess for me at, at the middle school, um, I'm struggling with the planning piece, so it's nice to hear everyone's ideas because, like I said, right now my school district is planning on going to in-person learning five days a week, and the parents have the option of doing online learning, but with the survey that was sent out, it looks like 75% of our population wants to return to in-person, um, so that's potentially 150 kids, 100 to 150 kids I'm going to see every day, um, and I don't we haven't had a full plan of what that looks like as far as cohorts or not cohorts or, you know, if we're inside or outside, we have three PE teachers at our school, which is amazing, um, but two gyms. And so it's been nice to actually hear ideas, but I just, I'm still kind of, I think, wrapping my head around the idea of what the social distancing, distancing is going to look like, um, what skills are going to be taught, project ideas, and, and what that will look like for our school. Has anyone thought about that or any ideas um, to help um, Brianna and her with her question? Hey, Jamie and folks, it's Murray Wallace here. Uh, I just sometimes, I, can you hear me? Oh, hard lines. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you talked about the flipped learning stuff, Jamie, and I don't know if this is really going to help you that much, Bree, but. You know, sometimes I feel like the flipped learning should be almost a flipped flipped learning and, and PE and stuff. And maybe we in the in our class, particularly with the COVID-19 situation, I mean, my school district, we're going, I think, every other day type of thing. But it's like um, setting them up to then do their physical activity outside of our class. So then the day that they're not in class, they're doing something, right? And then they're, you know, maybe reflecting on that or discussing that or setting goals and all that type of stuff when they're in my class and I can actually help them with that. Um, it's kind of how I was thinking about going about it. Um, I, I do agree. I think it's a great opportunity for us to get creative and actually start thinking outside the box because I feel like very often we project what we want to do onto our students to a certain extent rather than letting them you know really explore the opportunity for them to be physically active because our goal should really be not what they're doing in our class but what they're doing outside of our class because they spend a lot more time outside of our class than they do inside of our class i know that doesn't really help you much Bree, but um i mean it just also you know thinking about things like you know in class they're all going to be wearing masks and all that type of stuff and there's some data about the you know uncomfortable wearing masks when they're exercising and all that type of thing you know so um just my tuppence worth as i would say 
Thanks, Marie. I appreciate that. Um, I've had so many like nightmares and dreams about this whole situation. So I just like I, I want we all want our kids to have like these really authentic learning situations. And and as PE teachers, we know that we're constantly advocating for our, our profession, um, whether there's a pandemic happening or not. So now I feel like we're really, really advocating for like why we need to be in the classroom, why our kids need to have us. Um, I was just texting my colleague Angie about a, a dream I had it just came to me one night. Um, our city doesn't have any um, bike paths or bike routes and so I think it might be a cool idea just to kind of have the kids create that like a bike route or a bike map for Johnstown and Millican and maybe present it to the city because that way they're involved in this really authentic learning situation that applies directly to them and their family and the community. Um, how that's going to happen I have no idea and that's more of an eighth grade thing. I don't think my sixth graders are mature enough yet to kind of wrap their head around that. Um, but just kind of thinking about those types of projects where kids are actually invested and involved and not just checking boxes to get it done is, is really what I am trying to wrap my head around how we can do that for our kids. Hey y'all, um, Deanne Romero here again. And Marie, that's exactly it, right? Like we want to create these authentic um, opportunities for our students and these times are completely new for all of us so we're all in this boat together so don't first and foremost you know all of you that are on here know that you're not alone right that's why we're doing these round tables is so that you have support because we're all in this ship together and we will figure out a way to navigate through these um rocky waters but i think coming back and i said it earlier too um i think it was justin when he was talking about you know, it's not about making better athletes, but it is about uh, that physical literacy piece, right? Turning kids on to lifelong movement, understanding the benefits and the enjoyment to do so. So creating those authentic activities and opportunities for them to just kind of unleash more ideas and activities into their world. So like the bike path that Brie, um, you know, created up in her nightmares, as uh, Jamie had put it, uh, is brilliant, right? Because now you're putting them in the driver's seat. And I think this opportunity allows for that, right? Using that flipped classroom, making it more student center, making it more relevant to the individual child, not necessarily whole class, but now it comes down to that whole child. Tying everything back into the standards, what you do. We know that we want our kids to get MVP, MB, um, PA every day that they're with us, but we're going to have to do that in, in a little bit more creative ways, right? So Maria said, I'm going to create opportunities for them to be physically active at home now with their families, right? I've seen more people outside in my neighborhood during this since March than I ever have before. And so giving them those opportunities to do that then that cognitive attachment inside the classroom because of you know equipment social distancing parameters i can work with them and focus on the skills of like goal setting and decision making that we can reinforce those i agree this is sarah um i we keep talking about how we need students to be problem solvers and I think that that's a great idea Brie that you gave um, I would try it with sixth graders I would even try it with fourth graders um, to see you know what how can they get to school using their bike 
or what's a different walking path that they can um, utilize. I think one of the things that we saw um, from family engagement comments was, I need ideas of things to do with my family right now because we're quarantined. Now, obviously we're not quarantined right now, um, but there are different things that we can suggest that would help families move together and help families um, engage in healthy practices together. So I think it's a wonderful idea and it kind of put, you helped me think about some things I can, that I can brainstorm with Kenny um, for our school district and every district is going to be different. But one thing that has come up is transportation to schools. What's that going to look like for busing when we can only have one kid per seat? We got to separate them. We got to clean them. Well, there's an opportunity there to do walking school routes. Um, pardon my dog barking in, at the world out there. Um, so I think that that's a really good opportunity for us to look at and influence in any way that we can. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, and I think that that's a great, and I posted um, in the chat, um, we've talked a lot, of bit, a lot about or a little bit about the health skills in which are part of the standards. But I think that that particular example, um, if you look at the health standards, um, which I'll post also, you know, there's things about safety and transportation and, and safe walking, like that's all part of the health education standards. Um, so that project can really blend across health education in terms of some of those safety components, but also can be really a great way to get students to advocate for their school and for their community. So those are advocacy, communication skills are all health skills. And I posted some some models in the chat there also. So I think that that, that one really authentic project is a great um, way to combine health and physical education in a nice way. You know, we haven't delved into, uh, and obviously, you guys, I'm going to apologize because I'm slanted to the health side, but we haven't delved into nutrition practices as well. And I think that even, Bree, thinking about your idea brings up some different practices um, we could explore with kids for nutrition. How are they bringing a healthy meal to school? Um, you know, how are they cooking with their family, preparing foods with their family, like they, we can tap into those things um, because we know family life is changing drastically, even still now, as people are able to return to work in some aspects. So um, one thing that has come up too, and I, I want to be conscious and step back here, is eating in the classroom versus eating in a large um, environment. And what kind of opportunity do we have to talk about choices that they're making when they're in a smaller cohort um, and bringing attention to that too. So just some food for thought and now I'll step back. Yeah, Sarah, like you mentioned, like the, the nutrition stuff is also important too in, in looking at how we can educate our students and our community on those healthy choices while, you know, maintaining our physical distance and and doing all of the right best practice things. Um, the other thing that comes into play, and I'm sure some of you are are a part of your schools or districts wellness committees, um, I know I am, is, is looking at how we can incorporate those wellness ideas um, through PE and health as for a whole school model and then into the community um, while maintaining whatever precautions that we're taking. Um, so I'm still, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that as well, how we can do like a wellness week where we're, we're recognizing kids um, for their healthy choices without being in a cafeteria or 
um, what they're bringing to school and how we can influence those choices as well. So when it comes to stuff like that, um, during the quarantine time with my, my elementary kids, a lot of the stuff that they did at home focused on the health and the nutrition and the take a picture of my plate and do this stuff. And that was the way to engage the students. And so shifting that same model over to the classrooms um, allows me that same ability where the kids already know the different apps we use. They know how to post They you know, they know the technology tools they need. So then incorporating it that way allowed me still to increase the amount of health standards, um, you know, I could touch on without necessarily taking more time. Um, and so that's something I'm going to continue because I have a whole school worth of data of them taking pictures of their lunch, you know, of their lunches at home. And now what does that look like and which classroom has, you know, the, the, the best looking lunches or which classroom has the most variety in their lunches. You know, we talk about eating and eating the rainbow and stuff, um, not the Skittles commercial, but you know, and you know, so that's something that that was a way that I used um, the health standards to supplement when I couldn't get them or if I wasn't sure because they were traveling or whatever that I could guarantee they were getting that physical activity um, like Murray mentioned earlier. Ben, what apps have you used has come up in the questions? That's a long answer. Um, so Padlet is one that's a big one. Flipgrid, Google Forms, um, using Google Sites. I mean, it's whatever I used with the kids. So what you do is you, you know, whatever you use, use the same thing or use what the classroom teachers use because that's one less thing you're going to have to learn or one less thing you're going to have to try to teach. Um, and so for those, I know I've seen some of the names from some of those that follow the stuff I post and stuff. You've seen some of the videos and whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, Padlet's a good one it's just straight up because it can be done from a single device. Um, multiple, multiple people posting. It doesn't require a login, um, and everything. So, um, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. Just to add on to that, um, I've been working at a summer camp for kids. I'm a inline hockey coordinator. And I use an app called Goose Chase that I've seen on Twitter. I think some of you have probably heard of it um, to do some sort of like scavenger hunt with the kids. And I, I saw somebody post something on Twitter about using it in the fall, whether you're doing remote um, or in-person learning. And so you can put out the kids join with a game code. So you can have a game code for your first period or second period or whatever, however you split up your kids um, and assign like they're called missions, but it's really just a task. So you can say, okay, today is Monday. You need to take a picture of a healthy meal that you're eating and it automatically posts to this feed. So all the kids in that group or in the game can see it. Um, so you almost thinking in it, you know, how I can use that with my kids is having them do those missions, healthy meals, do some sort of physical activity, take a picture of whatever, um, and then comment on somebody else's post so that you can have the kids engaging with each other, even if you're doing that remote learning. Um, obviously the, the precautions have to go into place with like appropriate comments, be positive and kind, all those things will, will go into place prior to that. But, um, that could be a good idea to use that, that goose chase app, um, for that remote learning as well. Hey everyone, this is Shannon Milliken again. Um, so I just wanted to take a quick second and you guys have all done a really great job of thinking about like. How, how do we meet all of our students' needs, right? And I think I just wanna take a step back real quick and I just want to applaud every single one of you for being here on this call. I think we are all in agreement that no matter how long you have been teaching, next year is probably going to be the hardest year for any teacher, right? 
Um, and so I want to applaud you all for being here. And I also want to say, give yourself some grace, right? Like Bree, you saying, I'm having nightmares about this, right? Like I think any of you who like know me personally, I would probably be saying the exact same thing if I were going back into a classroom in the fall. Um, but if there's anything that I've learned through this, it's we are all in this together and give yourself some grace, right? I know that we are so in the, in the consistency of advocating for what we do is is important for kids and you know meeting standards but the number one important thing right now is that we are there for these kids right and whether it's in person or whether it's a face to face time right sometimes when you think about you are the consistent face that these kiddos see right and making that connection with these kids is going to mean a lot more to them, whether or not you're just saying, hi, how are you? Versus teaching them how to throw a ball, right? And, or giving them an idea of how they're going to engage with their brother and sister, right? While they're at home. So I would just thank you for being here. Um, I applaud everything that you're trying to do and trying to be the absolute best for your students. Um, but at the same time, allow yourself some grace right and, and allow yourself to make imperfect mistakes because we're all in this together and and that's what this year is going to be about so thank you guys for all being here yeah thanks Jamie. oh go ahead jamie nope it's all you um yeah i just wanted to echo that and also to let you all know that um uh, we did mention this in the last one, but um, CDE will be coming out with specific guidelines for physical education and physical activity with respect to Colorado. So the Shape America guidelines and the PHE Canada guidelines are good places to start for now as far as looking at some ideas and options for you. Um, but that also know that work is continuing and as with everything, um, there's logistical things that are need to get put in place and whatnot before all of those those pieces can happen but the shape colorado um will make sure that everybody knows um as new resources come out and things like that um for you to help you and and you have a community and your other colleagues in shape colorado um so you know use social media use twitter connect with each other in those ways um, you know, Brie has graciously put her email in there so everyone can email Brie about her ideas that she um, put. And But we are, you know, this community is here to kind of support everyone. And we do have another roundtable in two weeks um, uh, to continue to discuss these things. And hopefully by then people will know a little bit maybe more about what things are going to look like for them specifically. But I would agree with Shannon, um, self-care and taking care of yourselves is more important now than ever. And we all know how great teachers are at self-care in a regular time. Um, so this is our time to actually really um, practice what we preach with respect to self-care and um, and, you know, only doing what you can, but then still, like we said, doing what's best for kids. And so um, on behalf of Shape Colorado, I just want to thank everyone um, for being here and um, and whatnot. So, Jamie, I'm not sure if you have any closing words. Um, no, I think we're, we're kind of wrapping, wrapping things up here. Um, we the one piece that we did not have a chance to specifically talk about was accountability. And so. Um, that is one piece that um, 
we didn't talk we didn't specifically talk about um, we could table that till our till the next round table um, Ben has posted a, um, a, a URL in the chat for um, PD credit so you can um, get that um, certificate of, of hours for for credit there um, so you can complete that and um, I think we'll just go ahead and table the assessment or the accountability until the next round table and we'll just add that to our agenda um, if you have any other questions or thoughts or comments you can go ahead and post those and we'll track those and, and try to get those answered in the next round table that we have so um, just to wrap things up, thank you so much for being here today. Some great ideas were shared. Um, we will send the, the follow-up out um, for this with, um, with resources available there um, for you to refer back to. And um, just want to say thank you for being here and, and sharing wonderful ideas. And I think as we wrap things up, um, take care of yourself. Um, that's that's the, the start of this is to we really do need to be taking care of ourselves so we can take care of um, of our students so that's where I will end things and um, unless Jamie or Ben have other thoughts or comments um, for everybody who's here you guys are members in the membership portal when you sign in there's a tab at the top that says members resources that's where this gets posted we also are on six different Easton we're on six different podcast platforms now um, so we're across everything from Google to Apple to anchor to whatever um, we're on a bunch of them so we'll put that up uh, later today and you guys again if you want to go back and watch it or you want to go back and listen to it um, it will be posted in that members portal uh, so you guys all have access to it. Thank you for everybody who did sign up um, for your membership or whatever, or renewed your membership. That's awesome. Um, we had, again, about 15 new members sign up or renew. Um, so you guys are doing awesome. And the next one will will carry on. And um, yeah, good job. Do you guys have the date for the next roundtable? August 6th. Thank you. Uh, August, August 3rd, sorry. 3rd. Yeah. August 3rd. It was a Monday, yeah. I have kids on the 6th, so we'll see what happens. August 3rd, and there will be another email coming out from Shape Colorado to sign up for this for that one as well. So Great. Thank you, Jamie. Um, awesome. Thank you all for being here. Uh, make sure you get your PD credit. Um, ben has posted um, a tiny URL, so make sure you get that um, before you sign out. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shape Colorado podcast roundtable that focused on quality remote health and physical education and the differences between physical education and physical activity. Our next podcast will drop in about two weeks and it will be focusing on in-person instruction, holding students accountable, and possibly of the possibilities of remote learning and SEL considerations.